Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. The nation of Mali has experienced a coup. Didn't take very long uh, to overthrow Mali's government. Protesters had been rumbling across the West African nation for a number of weeks. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. On Tuesday, chaos broke out uh, in that nation's capital city. Soldiers barricaded roads. Gunshots uh, were fired a little after midnight on Wednesday just hours after uh, being taken into what I would call custody by mutinous soldiers, the Malian president, uh, with a face mask on, announced that he would resign. He says, I do not wish for blood to be shed anymore in order for, uh, so that I can maintain power. Um, And this was in a televised address uh, to the people of Mali. This is the first coup, uh, to my count, of this coronavirus era, um, it's not the first time that we've seen public anger, people protesting, taking to the streets. It is the first time that a government has fallen um, in this way. However, uh, let us remember that pretty much the entirety of the Lebanese government resigned. Uh, The prime minister resigned, as did his cabinet uh, earlier this month after a Huge blast destroyed much of uh, Beirut, that nation's capital city. China, we have been talking uh, frequently about the crackdown on pre-democracy, pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong, jailing journalists and activists. We have been talking about the unrest in Belarus and the protests there. We have uh, not talked as much about what's going on in Thailand, although pro-democracy protesters there are challenging the monarchy and arrests have begun uh, in the last 24 hours in that nation as well. Um, On the Ivory Coast, police have been allowing machete-wielding mobs to attack pro-democracy protesters in that nation. Uh, And yes, there are protests turned riot in cities across the United States. And so what do we as Christians make of all of this? Um, You know, you, you may be sheltered in place. You may have a relative sense of safety. Um, But I think that we have to remember in every moment and in every generation, we live in a fallen world. Yes, we live on this side of Easter. And yes, we live on this side of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. And yes, uh, Jesus came in order that the kingdom of God would be instituted among men. But he has not come back yet. And so I'm reminded from Matthew 24 this morning how Jesus responded to the question about what would happen between his first and second coming. What would happen? What would be the sign of his coming again? What would be the sign of the end of the age? And I'm not, I'm not here to say that, you know, I, I see the second coming of Jesus around every corner, but I do recognize that every day we're one day closer to when he's coming back. So in Matthew 24, uh, in answer to the question of what would the signs of the times be, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. Many will deceive you. 
Um, Many will be deceived. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you do not become alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are the beginnings of birth pains. It's talking there about like labor pains, and you know that those, uh, for those of you who have had a baby, uh, you know that those become uh, much closer together, much more intense. The frequency rises um, before, you know, before the actual event. Jesus talks about uh, persecution among his people. He talks about people falling away. He talks about the appearance of false prophets. Uh, he talks about the increase of wickedness. He talks about the falling away of Christians. Um, and then he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Uh, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So there are um, events that Jesus uh, foretells, forecasts, describes to us. And what, uh, what then can we do, must we do, as people of faith? Let's pray for peace. Let's work for justice, liberty, and freedom. Let's walk by faith, and let's extend the gospel always and in all ways. All right, Ben Johnson is waiting in the wings. He's got a couple of brand-new blogs posted, uh, one on... What does Kamala Harris believe? Another on the DNC making the case for deregulation and lower taxes. We're going to talk about both of those headlines. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is my right. All right, joining me again today, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. Uh, he blogs at blog.acton.org, and that is where you can find these two pieces, which we are going to lead off with in conversation today. Um, ben, first of all, welcome back. And second of all, will you tell us what Kamala Harris believes? Uh, I will do my very best. But, uh, you know, this was a daunting piece to write simply because <laughs> Uh, when I was when I was looking into it, I had to go through a very long record. It's very detailed. Uh, there are links to everything that I'm saying, so people can see. For example, if I say she voted a certain way, they can see the votes. Or uh, if I say she supported a certain kind of piece of legislation, they can see the legislation itself or a description of it. So, uh, Kamala Harris, particularly, just to focus in on a couple of areas that are really important. Last night in her speech, she quoted the Bible, and I thought that was significant and important. She said, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I, you know, inwardly, I cheered for that. Everyone who's a Christian responds to the Bible. The Word of God is self-effectual. So the fact that uh, she mentioned that verse, I thought was very good, but she didn't say a word about religious liberty. And that's concerning to me, particularly given her record on religious liberty. She filed uh, an amicus brief back in the Hobby Lobby case. And of course, your, your listeners will remember that Hobby Lobby, run by Christians who did not want to fund uh, abortion-inducing, potentially abortion-inducing drugs. So uh, in during that time when she was um, Attorney General of California, she filed a brief with the Supreme Court arguing against them. And she said, and this is a quote, religious liberty is, quote, personal, relating only to individual believers, but not to the exercise of uh, for-profit business corporations. She said that the right to religious liberty is inherently personal, which means that essentially your your right to 
worship and believe as you wish, ends the moment that you enter into the public sector, particularly in the business world. That's alarming to me because we live uh, a large percent of our life in the business sector. That's eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, week in and week out. So, uh, and Americans are working more now than ever before. So that is particularly significant, uh, the fact that she believes that our right to live according to the word of God ends the moment that we enter into the public sphere. Uh, it's the very similar when it comes to uh, the right to keep and bear arms. By the way, she believes that that is not a personal right. What you see throughout her career is an overarching uh, belief that rights are limited, rights are constricted, rights are very much, uh, very much imprisoned in a certain small sector of society, and everything else is subject to government action, which is the exact opposite view of the Founding Fathers. They believe that individual rights and freedom should be at the center of our Constitution and that government should be constricted by those unalienable rights, and that Congress shall make no law, presidents shall pass no executive order that tramples on that. When it comes to abortion, she would radically expand our funding of abortion. She wants to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which uh, bars federal funding of abortion, uh, which uh, has, has saved hundreds upon, or thousands of lives, according to my good friend Michael J. New, who has done the research on this. Uh, she proposed a piece of legislation which would bar pro-life states from passing new pro-life legislation unless her administration gave the okay for it. It's modeled on the Voting Rights Act. By the way, that, that section of the Voting Rights Act was struck down by the Supreme Court a few years ago. She wants to uh, enact that for the, for the right to abortion. So she believes that's an unalienable right. In fact, in her speech last night, she mentioned uh, reproductive justice and inequalities, uh, the injustice in reproductive health care, by which she means that poor people don't have federally funded abortion. Uh, of course, she was against Proposition 8 in California, which defined marriage as the union of one man and one woman. She refused to defend it when she was uh, in charge of the state. Uh, it was primarily her job, and she refused to do her job. Curiously, though, when uh, a Catholic man came up in front of, um, uh, for a federal judgeship, she and Senator Maisie Hirono badgered him about the fact that he belonged to the Knights of Columbus, uh, and she said that it's an organization, quote, opposed to a woman's right to choose and marriage equality, and she asked if he would have the ability to uh, implement laws fairly and impartially based on his religious views. It's something that she refused to do, but she was trying to hold him accountable simply for the fact that he believes the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church, that somehow she, he should be... Um, and, and by the way, not merely the Roman Catholic Church, that's of course uh, the right to life and the belief that marriage is one man and one woman is universal across traditional Christian uh, beliefs, whether they're Catholic, Protestant, uh, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, whatever branch of uh, Christianity you may belong to. She believes that that belief is disqualification, potentially, for serving in federal office, which violates our Constitution. So those are a couple of areas uh, that should be particularly concerning for all of us. If you get into all of the other things, she's talking about very big government, massive expansion of government, high taxes, things that will constrict and destroy the prosperity that uh, had been unleashed until the uh, lockdowns that we've seen. But particularly when it comes to these areas, what I would say is most concerning is just the fact that she believes that all of the constitutional rights that our founding fathers have given us, that countless men and women have died in order to preserve 
uh, are only very strictly constricted and that the government should be able to regulate everything else, particularly the moment you enter into your workspace Monday morning. This is an excellent piece. Um, I'm going to just commend it again to our listeners. Go and uh, and get a copy for yourself. It's a it's a wonderful way for you to engage um, in a conversation with others about what pu- public figures believe and why what public figures believe matters. Um, because Kamala Harris has a really distinct understanding of the role of faith in public life, um, and we need to be able to understand that, and we need to be able to reflect upon it. Uh, together. Obviously, Vice President Pence has a very uh, different understanding of the role of faith in public life. And so if you wanted to juxtapose the perspectives of two individuals um, seeking the same office uh, in this nation, that would be, you know, that would be the parallel conversation to have. Ben Johnson and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about another piece that Ben has posted at blog.acton.org. Um, And that is this uh, really interesting piece about the DNC making the case for deregulation and lower taxes. Pretty big surprise. We'll be right back. It's like the bright sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope. Hold on. All right. I learned some things by by reading what Ben Johnson writes. um, And I have learned that the state of Rhode Island has an official appetizer. Um. That may be not the most important or key part of this post, but um, but interesting nonetheless. Ben, what is the only viral moment uh, so far, um, and why are we talking about it today? Yeah, the most endearing part of the DNC so far this week has had very little to do with the speakers. During the roll call where they were nominating the president, all of the states cast their votes for each of the nominees, Rhode Island— uh, flashed, and of course, since they're socially distanced, all <laughs> don't you want to go to Ro- don't you want to go to Rhode Island now, just based on this one little moment? I do. I desperately want this seafood. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I want to go there. Me too. <laughs> they, you know, they they flash, and there's there's a, a state representative who's the chairman of the Dem- Democratic Party, and then another gentleman in a mask holding up a, a great big platter of calamari, which is mm. the official appetizer of the state of Rhode Island. And, you know, during each of these times, uh, these are usually kind of endearing speeches. They talk about certain highlights of their own state. He uh, praised the governor, Gina Raimondo, because she had uh, instituted a temporary program. The fishing industry has been heavily hit. Of course, it's a big part of uh, the, the economy in New England and particularly in Rhode Island. You can think about lobsters and fish and things of that sort and calamari. As it turns out, uh, of course, when you constrict all of these, you close down restaurants and uh, there's a great deal less demand. Suddenly, the fishermen are having a hard time making their living. So she uh, allowed them to sell at port. You're allowed to sell the exact, say, uh, the uh, whatever you catch that day, but you have to sell it in the port that you caught it on the day you caught it, and you're not allowed to travel. Uh, there had It's almost mind-boggling that there had been restrictions on this beforehand. Uh, that they weren't allowed to do this. You you would think you would be allowed in the first place just to go up to a fisherman and get same-day fresh seafood. But uh, this this was actually banned, and so she temporarily uh, undid this. Now, as I say, this makes a big case for deregulation. There are all kinds of regulations we're finding out in this COVID economy that actually were never needed in the first place. They are completely uh, unnecessary. The uh, uh, CEI.org has a list of never needed regulations that have been repealed 
and I would commend that. Uh, I think R Street, uh, dot, uh, R Street uh, also has one. But uh, these were regulations that had been turned back in order to get the economy rolling again. So uh, in the middle of the Democratic uh, convention, uh, in a state that cast several votes for Bernie Sanders, they actually made a case for deregulation. Uh, the lower yeah. taxes part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, I just lower- I, I thought yeah. that was a great observation and um, and a reason to pay attention because the conversation is more interesting um, now that we uh, we live in a time where the government doesn't have the answers to all the questions that at least some people thought government had all the answers to and people doing things um, on their own and for their neighbors is a particularly important part of uh, of how the nation has responded in the midst of COVID. Um, I would just point to Iowa right now as an example of that. Um, you know, help is help is happening neighbor to neighbor to neighbor in the midst of the derecho, um, much more significantly than it's happening in terms of a government response, just because the government is is paralyzed in many ways to respond to an inland hurricane um, over such a vast, uh, you know, expanse. So um, talk with us about the conversation about lower taxes, because that's a surprise as well. It was. And when you get into this uh, uh, regulation, the way that fishers and and lobster catchers and others have uh, responded to it, the fact is that you've got uh, a lot of people who were a little bit resistant to it simply because they're already working all day. And uh, as it turns out, they can't get a great deal of, uh, of remuneration from doing this because they're only, again, they can only sell in the same port where they caught it. Uh, they're not allowed to go to the next town if they happen to live next to Providence or something. They can't go to a much more populous town and sell there. Uh, and as it turns out, the law of diminishing returns is an economic and human reality. The fact of the matter is, if you're exhausted, it doesn't matter how much someone is willing to pay you to work 24 hours a day. You physically can't. And so you won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at a certain point, you decide the remuneration isn't worth it. But it's not just for human effort. That's also true for taxation. If taxes are too high, you will not work regardless of uh, what remuneration uh, might be offered because the government's going to take too much of it. You decide that much money isn't worth that extra dollar is not worth the amount of time. It's not amount. It's not worth the amount of wealth that I would produce, and so I'm not going to, to do it. And so you've got the laugher curve vindicated here. Uh, the the idea that lower taxes at a certain rate produce more wealth, and uh, if you tax at a lower rate, you actually get more tax revenue, which has been proven both in the Trump administration and in the Reagan Bush years. Uh, so this is this is very well vindicated, and yet you see the very principle uh, discussed and, in fact, reinforced during the Democratic convention. Uh, I have a friend who says regulations are just taxes by another name. So uh, the the way that we are taxed by things that the government uh, asks of us, um, I could be taxed financially, but I could be taxed in a lot of other ways as well. And regulations are a huge part of that conversation. So Ben, thank you for. Um, illuminating these two stories today. So many other things you and I might have talked about, but we don't have time to get to them. So thank you so much, my friend. I um, want to encourage people to read what Ben is writing at blog.acton. That's A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. You can also follow him on social media. He is The Rights Writer. Ben, thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. You too. We'll be right back. All right, there's a really fun new comedic movie called Selfie Dad, um, and Mark McFerrin shared it with me, so I thought I'd have Mark McFerrin on to share it 
with all of us. He's also, um, his life has really been transformed by exposure to, um, it's part daily Bible study, it's part uh, how to get uh, your life re-engaged with God in terms of using the first hour of your day uh, for prayer, and it's called the first hour for men. Um, it's tra- it's changed his life, and so, you know, those things that have been life-changing for others, good good for us to talk about here. So, Mark McFerrin up next with the first hour book, as well as Selfie Dad. We'll be right back. So we talk about um, this being a listener-supported ministry, and uh, if you're listening right now, then that means that we are reliant in no small measure upon people just like you to do what we do every single day. Um, And so let's just say for those of you who have chosen to text me in the last few minutes, um, so if you want to be supportive of the text line remaining open, your ability to communicate during the show, um, be sure that you share with us during fall share let's say you like it that uh that paul and i are responsive to your emails that's because we can afford to respond to you outside of the hours of this program um because we're working at this labor um full time not just the hours that you hear us here on the radio so in order to bring you this live programming every single day paul perot and i and others work around the clock to have the technology available to have the website my face radio Dot com uh, available where we then where Paul very dutifully reposts the podcast. If you like it that all of those things are available, if you like it that you have the opportunity to engage not only during the program but uh, outside of programming hours, um, the way that all of that happens, not just for Paul and Carmen, but for a whole host, a whole cadre of other people who make this happen every single day, um, then we invite you to become a part of the support system of this listener-supported ministry. The way that you do that is you go to MyFaithRadio.com and you donate or you give us a call during Share. Share's coming up. That's a really fun time uh, to, you know, sort of raise your hand and say, hey, I'm out here, I'm listening, and I want to be counted. We'd certainly invite each and every one of you who are already supporters of this ministry to be praying in advance that God would be tilling tilling the soil of the hearts and souls and minds of others um, to be considering right now what gift they're going to give during Fall Share. For those of you who um, are already a part of the ministry outreach of Faith Radio, you know how much fun it is to hear the gospel go forth and to hear listener testimonies of the way that people's lives have been changed through the ministry of Faith Radio. I mean, because you know you're a part of it. You're like, I am a part of that person um, being transformed by the gospel, not only their life being changed forever, but the fact that I'm now going to spend eternity with them. All right, Fall Share is coming up in a couple of weeks, so let's be praying toward that now. Next up, I've got Mark McFerrin from Agape Nashville talking about Selfie Dad and the first hour. We'll be right back. The mark of a good parent is not necessarily a good kid who never gets into trouble, makes a bad decision, or fails a class. Hi, I'm Mark Grayston with Parenting Today's Teens. The mark of good parenting is not only determined by the way a child acts at home during their teen years, but also how a child engages and responds during their adult years. You see, this is a marathon, not a 50-yard dash. Your teen may make some embarrassing mistakes, but when you move toward them in love, you'll sow the seeds for a healthy relationship that endures for years. Hey, 
Wouldn't you want a well-balanced adult child who messed up in their teens rather than a perfect kid who fell apart in their 30s? Remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Do you have teenagers under your roof? Find more encouragement and helpful resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me today is Mark McFerrin. Mark and I have lots of points of intersection in our lives. Uh, I'll just I'll just today refer to him as being from Agape, Nashville. Mark, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be with you uh, live, maybe. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to have you with us. So let's talk about um, this project you've been working on that uh, that I've been I've been privy to for some time. It's called Selfie Dad. I know it's been released, but it's yes. now out on DVD. Tell tell people about this Selfie Dad movie. Well, it's it's uh, it's it's unique. There's a lot of faith based, really good faith based films out there. This one really captured my heart uh, a year and a half ago when I first saw it. Why? Because it's a comedy and it's really funny. And the people that play the comedian parts are actual comedians. So Michael J. Jr. and Chanda Pierce, they're the key players in this film. But it's a great film that really peels back uh, something that I was going through, even myself as a believer in Christ. You know, I just got a lot going on. And uh, this guy's a believer, but uh, he's just got a lot going, a lot of pressure and really wasn't following, following the Lord the way he could. And he was challenged by a coworker. To say, man, I, I'm sure you probably read your Bible every day. And he said, no, man, I, I just got too much going on. I got I got kids, I got family, got this job, I got just too much. And he said, dude, with all that's going on, you can't afford not to read the Bible to give you strength. And Carmen, that, that line really convicted me because that was me. And I've been a believer for a lot of years. And I'm just a guy that's out there, saw a good movie and wanted to come along. A couple guys that produced it, uh, Paul Long and the director, Brad uh, Silverman, and say, how can I just support you guys as a volunteer? Because that movie really touched me. And it, it was a challenge for me to put God's word first in my life consistently, which I hadn't been doing consistently through my years. So that that's really the, the premise. And so it's a journey of this guy that comes to a place where he starts reading God's word. And when you read God's word, God will show up and God will change you and make you better. Yeah, I love the way how in the movie, I mean, it, it is funny, it is humorous, um, but it's also very real. Um, I like, yeah. uh, I just like the portrayal of uh, the the genuine relationships at work, at home, um, you know, in other environments. I like the issues that the movie deals with. Again, we're talking about Selfie Dad. You guys can check it out at Selfie Dad Movie. Dot com. Um, it's a great, it's a great movie. Um, not only for your family, but I think for, um, for guys who want to get the conversation started about getting into the Word and allowing the Word of God to, um, to influence them and influence the relationships that they have with their kids, with their wives, um, with work, on and on and on. What, um, what kind of feedback have you guys been hearing, um, you know, from men in particular who've been, who've been touched by this film? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of caught people by surprise because one, it was, they pulled off the comedy and it's got great soundtrack, some great music from the past and uh, some key characters that you'll recognize that, that just have humor 
and they could pull it off. So that was kind of the first surprise people were getting. Man, this was fun. This was this was good. But at the same time, they used the humor and they said, that's what helped me continue to watch the movie because it does deal with some heavy topics. It deals with work-life balance. It deals with, you know, guarding your eyes, uh, guarding your friendships, spending time, you know, uh, on the right things and pursuing, uh, pursuing God, you know, uh, versus, you know, getting so caught up in work and the, especially in this environment we're in right now where people are like a lot of fear and so forth. So people were really caught off guard in a good way because he said, I was dealing with these issues, but it was hard to, in some ways to kind of hear all these issues. But the humor, the way you use humor is like kind of let me relax and keep watching. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. oh, it's too much, too heavy. And especially if you're sitting there watching with your, your kids, which is a great kid movie with your wife and, and husband, that there's some dynamic, there's some tension that will come up in a good way. And then it leads you to a really good conclusion of reading God's word. So let's talk about reading God's word, because the other thing that you're really passionate about is getting men in particular back into the word of God. Um, I am looking at the website for thefirsthour.com, thefirsthour.com. I know that if guys go there, they can actually get a copy of this book for free. Um, I, yeah. We just heard a, a headline recently that Promise Keepers um, was, you know, going to have their their first event sort of back together. Um, I know that has happened. It had to happen virtually. I know this is also a Promise Keepers endorsed project. Tell people yes. about the first hour for men. Well, let me let me just make my, it's personal for me. So I watched this movie, Selfie Dad. I'm, I'm feeling, Lord, I'm getting ready to turn 60. I'm saying, okay, I want something deeper. I've been following you for a lot of years. I want something deeper. So now, now I've got this desire and conviction to read God's word every day. But, you know, I like many, we all have different methods we use. So forth. well, a friend uh, about three months later gives me a book, says, man, here's a book I want you to read. I know the guy, he's getting ready to move here or he's just moved here from Tennessee, from Florida, Tennessee. You need to meet him. And I, and I get the book, I look at it and it is the first hour for men. And I, and I, and I frankly to myself said, great, another book. And I threw it in the back seat of my car and it rode around there for two weeks. Why? Uh, why it finally resurrected is Promise Keepers, yes, did a four-minute video on this author, Mark Cook, about the relationship with his son and grandson and the impact reading God's Word had. He's a new believer, new in the sense of about 15 years ago, had a, a really strong conviction and a conversion to Christ. And this is a story. And so I picked that book up. I watched the video and go, man, that's that's the same guy whose book I have. So I I get the book out of my backseat of my car and I look, open it up and I'm surprised because it's not a book you read. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> it's not a book you read. The first 20 pages kind of tell the story of Mark's life and how this book came about. But it's really a 30 day checklist to get guys to read the real book, the book, the Bible. And, and then on the back, Carmen has 18 prayers, scriptural prayers that are taken from Jermaine Copeland's book, Prayers That Availeth Much, that's been around forever. Continuing my conversation now with Mark McFerrin from Agape Nashville. We're talking about uh, Selfie Dad, which you can find at SelfieDadMovie.com, but we're also talking about the first hour for men, and you can find it at thefirsthour.com. Um, your first copy of this book is free on their website, so thefirsthour.com. 
com. Mark, you were, um, before we lost you there for just a minute, you were talking with us about the format of the book, and you were talking about the prayers that avail availeth much that are in the back. Um, part of the effort of this book is to introduce men not only to the daily discipline of spending the first hour with God and in God's Word, but actually introducing men how to pray, what to pray for, um, how to spiritually guard and protect themselves and their families, um, and then, you know, really how to grow close to God through their everyday living. Um, was that your experience of engaging with this book? Yes, it, it definitely was. I, I went I went deeper in my faith. And there's a couple, three principles that I really maybe had heard over the years, but really didn't understand. And now I put them into practice. And that's the daily the daily ritual that I have before I get out of bed. And the and it's and it's putting on the armor of God and and washing myself uh, spiritually and getting clean before him and asking for a refilling of the spirit. And so here's the way you remember it's war because we are in a spiritual battle with uh, the demonic and the enemy. And um, if we don't armor up correctly, we're get, we're going to walk out and just be ineffective or even get slaughtered. But God gives us these great tools. And so the first one is wash. The prayer is wash. Forgiveness is important. Isaiah 59 tells us that God's arm is not too short to hear and answer, but the iniquities and sin in our life keep us keep him from hearing. He says, I'll turn my face and I can't hear you because you got junk in your life. And so this practice of, of confession and forgiveness on a daily basis, not just when something big happens, but that was for me a change because I was a guy, I've been a believer for a lot of years and yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, especially if I compare myself to, you know, Jimmy over here. Uh, but, but God says, we're not comparing yourself to Jimmy. It's you. And so there's this, you know, fresh uh, fresh forgiveness that you ask for every morning before you put on the armor of God to do the battle. And, and we know the armor of God. It's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. It's the shoes with the gospel of peace. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. These are all tools that are that will help you stand against the fight. And then every morning after that, you put on that armor. You say, God, give me your fresh filling of your Holy Spirit to do life the way you want me to do it today. So it's war, wash, A, armor up, and then R, refilling of the Holy Spirit. That really was a game changer for me. Yeah, I think that the rhythm of the prayer section of the book is really helpful too, um, you know, just helping men in particular, but, you know, this is applicable to all of us, um, to put God first and then to recognize that family is second and career is third. I do think that guys yeah. tend to get those things out of order um, in the yeah. world that we live in. Yeah, it's it's easy to do, and uh, and I really think there's a, a a spiritual enemy that's that's wanting to keep us that way. And we we tell ourselves, oh, I'm doing this for the family. You know, the best thing I can do for my my wife and kids is to spend time in the morning getting my head on and staying close to my relationship because everything else will flow out of that. And that was something that I knew, but really, Carmen, I hadn't practiced. And now for the last four hundred some days this guidebook, I just kind of keep repeating it and using other things, but it's, it can be a boot camp for somebody who's never done this kind of uh, time with the Lord, as well as for seasoned people who've been a believer for a lot of years. And that's, that's uh, what we're finding. In fact, 60% of all our orders uh, are coming from women, women that are also using this book. We get testimonies from women and men about how this, this guidebook is helping them. Of course, women are also buying it for their husbands. You know, they're desperate. They want something for them. And we really believe that if you, if you capture the heart of the man and, and 
turn his heart towards God, it'll impact the family, and then the family can impact the community and the world we live in. Um, so that's that's the rhythm. You're right. I just love it. Um, I also love that this that this book um, is a gift from a church, from a local church, uh, and yeah. that is um, the the connection. Uh, this project, these projects, this movement, um, God is up to something. Uh, God is stirring things in a way right now that I think that if people take a step far enough back and, you know, don't just look at the challenges that we face as a culture, but look at the ways in which God is really stirring his people, mm-hmm. um, it yeah. re- reigniting a passion for his word. Um, inviting men into, you know, a fresh, renewed commitment with him and, um, and the renewal of the commitment then to the family and yes, to be, to being an expression of an ambassador of the king and the kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Um, I, I have a sense of that. I feel that. Do you have a sense of that in your work? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, I was with my brothers and sisters here on this little family reunion and we're talking about what are the good things that have come out of the pandemic, you know, spiritually, especially people are more open. They're having conversations about spiritual things. We're connecting more. You know, my brother-in-law, he's lived on the street forever. He's walking the dog one morning and uh, a neighbor who he knows a believer said, Hey, uh, I'm going to start praying here every Wednesday morning. Uh, you want to join me? Sure. So for 17 weeks now, my brother-in-law, Tim, and anywhere from eight to 10 other men on his street that are all believers are showing up and praying for their, their neighborhood, their world, et cetera. And, th- and those said, so we all knew each other. We'd wave, but, but the pandemic brought us out and connected us. God's doing something in local communities and in national and international. We know, I definitely see that. You mentioned the church that's so first hour is, is not affiliated with any church or denomination, but it invites people to say, you want to invest in getting a, a, a book out. That's going to help put people to the book, the Bible. And so there have been churches and other ministries, uh, people of, of means that just wanted to sow into this. And that's how we do it. So they'll give, you know, whatever amount, a larger amount, and 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 we'll put their ad, if you will, or put a, a statement in the book that says, here's who this book is from. And that's where I got. I got it from a church, the Brown Church, and uh, I think it was. Oh, OK. So that's where I got mine, too. Yeah. OK, so so yeah. the fact so that varies. that page is in yeah. my copy doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be right. in the copy that somebody else gets today. Okay, right. so that's kind of cool. So, I Mark, love that. so Mark Cook has uh, given away over 300,000 of these books so far. And his goal is to give a million away. And he keeps getting investors to sow into it. And then that's how they free up. And then what happens, people like me, who really it, it, it really impacts us in a way, we'll start buying books and giving them out to our friends. And that's, and that's how it reciprocates itself. Um, and it works. But, yeah, there's people – individuals and ministries that are sewing into this um, so cool. and they can do ways to connect that way. All right. We're going to encourage you to check it out at the first Mark McFerrin. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Also encourage you guys to check out selfie We'll be right back. In the book of uh, Galatians, I'm thinking here, uh, thinking here about chapter six in Galatians, where it talks about sowing and reaping. I was reminded there in that conversation by Mark McFerrin with Mark McFerrin 
um, about the ministries that we sow into and what we sow. I'm reminded that James encourages us, each and every one, to be uh, people who sow peace. So consider that today. Are you sowing peace? Obviously, we are disciples of the one who uh, who sows the Word of God into the world in very significant ways. So how am I sowing the Word of God into the world today? Good, uh, good consideration for each of us. From Galatians chapter 6, I'm reminded of, uh, of these verses. Uh, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, well, from that nature, he will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. Uh, Paul goes on to say there, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. That's, that's a sowing of good. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong uh, with us to the family of believers. Okay, so what are you going to sow today? Where are you going to sow Um, What are you sowing into the world that God so loves? Are you a person who is sowing peace? Are you a person who is sowing good? Are you a person who is sowing that which is beautiful and full of truth? Are you, um, or you know what? To the contrary, are you a person that is just sowing ugly bitterness and rage and nastiness and venom? Uh, I mean, you know, vinegar. Don't Don't be sowing vinegar into the world, right? All right, so let me encourage you. Uh, to be a person who sows peace today. The Word of God must be in us in order that we could sow uh, goodness, beauty, and truth into the world that God so loves. All right, friends, we've got another hour up next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.